Good morning, everybody, and a very warm welcome to our service this morning. It's great to have you with us. Uh, welcome as well if you're on the live stream. I know we've got a few extras this morning, so it's good to have you with us. I'm going to start uh, by reading just a bit from Psalm 92. This is a psalm for the Sabbath, a psalm for times like this. We looked at it in our home group this week, just the first five verses. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. I hope you come with a sense of worship this morning. Uh, In a moment we're going to sing, but just before that, just a few notices. Uh, Tuesday the 20th of July, we've got a quarterly church meeting. Uh, So something for your diaries, if you're a church member, quarterly church meeting, Tuesday the 20th of July. Also, uh, it went out with the bulletin, but in case you didn't get it, there's a YP prayer letter that's now in the foyer. Um, really encourage you to take one of those. There's plenty out there. Um, so do take one of these. Please read it. And even more importantly, please pray for us. We'd really appreciate it. There's an awful lot to be thinking about with the summer activities this year. So please do take one of those, have a look at it, and do pray for us. Also, uh, camp is about a month away now. And uh, we usually have a lot of help with catering. We're incredibly grateful for it. And uh, we're looking for some more help again this year. So I know some of you are frantically busy, um, so not everyone can do it. But if you are able to help, it's the 7th to the 14th of August, uh, whether that be Sunday uh, lunches and puddings and things or dinners during the week. If you can help, uh, speak to me or speak to Steph Sharp, um, and we'd love to, to get you down to help. That would be a huge help for us. Thank you. And just to say about the singing tonight as well, obviously the weather's not stunning at the moment. We're hoping that it can go ahead. We're planning for it to go ahead. Um, But even if it doesn't, we still have the meeting at 6pm this evening to avoid any confusion. Uh, So we are planning for it to go ahead. But if if it gets really bad weather and we can't do it, service is still at 6pm. So just uh, to bear that in mind. Well, let's come back to worship God again. We're going to sing or at least listen to a song uh, in awe and wonder. And it just speaks of how we approach God. That's what we're doing, isn't it? When we come to church, we're coming to to meet specially with God. And how is your attitude? Are we bowing before the throne of God? That's what this first song encourages us to do. So let's stand and reflect on these words.
Well, those of you who are here regularly will know we've been going through the book of Luke. Um, been really enjoying it, seeing so much in there. Uh, we've got two readings this morning, and the first one is actually from Matthew. It links in well. So it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 18, and then our second reading will be from Luke. So Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 18, and this is what it says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your, hev- uh, from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard with their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Well, in a moment we're going to pray, but before we do that, Luke is going to come up and do the children's talk. So, thanks Luke. Well, good morning everyone, and I hope you've had a good week. It's been quite an exciting week, hasn't it? And I wonder if any of you can remember what was so exciting about Wednesday evening. Anyone remember much about Wednesday evening? Something exciting, quite exciting happened Flo. England got through to the final of the Euros and, well, I think a lot of us are quite excited about that, especially people 
who are as old as me, and people even older, can you imagine, who haven't ever known anything quite like this. And, yeah, what, what, an, what an exciting time. But isn't it amazing that we won? We won! And, which I, I just find it quite, quite incredible, that we won. But I say we won, I've got a confession to make to you, because I wasn't actually playing. That wasn't, that wasn't me that scored that goal in extra time. I know. I mean, can you believe it? I wasn't even picked in the 26-man squad. There's always next year. But uh, in the meantime, I'm just going to have to sit and watch at home. We were watching at home. And, yeah, we couldn't believe that, that we won. But, but I'm saying we won, but I wasn't even there. I don't know if anyone here was playing, were they? Does anyone want to raise a hand if they were playing on Wednesday night? No? Oh, it's a bit awkward, isn't it? We're saying we won, and... Uh, Actually, none of us were even playing. Uh, oh Good job we're not live, or we are live. Well, actually, there is good news, because we did win. And we won, because when the players pull on their England jerseys, when they, when they pull on their shirts, they're representing England. And where are we from? We're from England as well, aren't we? So we did win, because they representing us, uh, which was great news, so we can celebrate. But I've got even better news for you than England being in the Euros, which blows it right out the water. And that is that Jesus represented us when he was on the cross, and when he won the victory over death, and he won uh, victory over sin, we won as well, because he was representing us. And so when he suffered on the cross, he defeated death. And uh, sorry, he defeated sin. And when he rose from the dead, he defeated death. And what great hope that gives to us. That means that we can be part of that as well. And there's a great verse in Romans. Sorry, maybe click too soon. So one sin of Adam brought the punishment of death to all people. But in the same way, one good act that Christ did makes all people right with God. And that brings true life for all. So because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can say that we are part of that as well if we put our trust in him. Now I know you hear this every week, don't you? You must put yourself, your trust in Jesus if you're going to be in heaven. And that's because it's so important. You hear it in Sunday school and you hear it in children's talks and when John's preaching that we must put our trust in Jesus. And that's because we must. And it matters that you do it yourself, that I put my trust in Jesus, that you put your trust in Jesus. Now, I can't guarantee to you that football's coming home. But one thing I can guarantee to you is that if you put your trust in Jesus, you will be going home when the day comes that God calls you. And what better hope that is, you can keep the Euro 2020. If we've got that to look forward to, how, much, how rich we are and how, how, what, that, what a great victory that we have. Because Jesus has represented us. Like the football players represent us when they're playing for their country. Jesus represents us before God and with that great victory. Now, I, I, there's nothing more I can pray for you than you know Jesus for yourself and that one day you'll be going home to be with God forever. Thanks very much. Lovely. Thanks, Luke. I hope you listen, children. Right, we're going to pray. So, let's bow our heads. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can say that we have victory, that we can say that we've won over sin and death because you've won over sin and death. Lord, I thank you that even though we've done nothing towards it, yet still we can be victorious because you represent us. And Lord, that was for the children, but Lord, that is so true for us adults as well. Lord, I pray that we put our trust in you so that that may be true. Lord, I pray that anyone who hasn't put their trust in you yet will do so so that you will represent them too. Lord, so that when we stand before you on that judgment day, Lord, we will know Jesus being our representative and how wonderful that is. Lord, that is such good news. And Lord, as Christians, it fills us with joy. Lord, I pray that it would fill us with joy again. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, I pray that the children here will understand something of what that means for themselves, that they will put their trust in you. Lord, we thank you so much for your steadfast love. Lord, we read about it in the psalm earlier. Lord, your steadfast love, which is sure and true, that we can rely on, that we can trust. And Lord, I pray that we praise you for it this morning. And Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness as well. Lord, we can look back over this past week since we were last here and we can praise you. Lord, you've kept us safe. You've been good to us. Lord, you've poured so many mercies on us, so many blessings. Lord, I pray that we'd count our blessings and that we would be truly grateful for your goodness. Lord, whatever we're going through, Lord, you are the same and you are good. And Lord, however hard we find that to believe, Lord, we know it is true. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we confess our sins before you. Lord, it has been a week where we have been far from perfect. Lord, some of us feel that very much. Lord, we feel the weight of guilt on us. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of grace and mercy. And so, Lord, we confess our sins before you. And yet, Lord, through your blood, we are confident, Lord, that you will grant us your mercy. Lord, that you will justify us, that you've made us right with you. Lord, I pray that you would make us more like you, Lord, that more and more we would hate sin and that we would love you. Lord, we we pray, Lord, that we would have a long-sightedness, as it were, in our lives. Lord, that we would be very aware that life is very short and that there is an eternity to come. And Lord, your word, it says that they are stupid, people are foolish if, if we're not looking at the end. Lord, they, they flourish like grass and it, we can be jealous. Lord, we can look at people around us, their lives look so happy, they can do what they want. But Lord, like grass, it dies so quickly. Like the flowers of the field, they fade away. And yet, Lord, when we see the words that describe the righteous people who follow you, Lord, it talks about us being like palm trees and cedars. Lord, bearing fruit, being healthy. Lord, that is because you are in us. Lord, it is not of ourselves, but Lord, when we follow you, that is what our lives are like. We praise you for that. Lord, you are the one who is truly good for us. 
Lord, I pray that we may believe it and that we may know it. Lord, that we may delve our roots, as it were, deep into you. Lord, that we may be lights in the world, that we may be flourishing, that we may be fruitful in our lives and that it may do those around us good. Lord, we have concerns and prayer requests as well. Lord, we we especially bring before you the YP holiday. And Lord, we thank you so much that we can do it. Lord, we can't go away this year, but Lord, we praise you for that opportunity. Lord, you know it's even more complicated than usual. But Lord, I pray that you protect us. I pray that we'd be able to go ahead as planned. Lord, that your hand would be upon us. Lord, I pray as well, Lord, that you would use this opportunity to speak into people's lives. Lord, you've used camps and wipey holidays so powerfully, even miraculously in the past. Lord, we pray again for that. Lord, however planned we are, however good the activities, however good the talks, Lord, we cannot change people's lives, but you can. So we pray for that. Lord, do bless us. Do work, I pray. Lord, may we rely on you. And I pray that as a church, we may be praying for these things. Thank you that there are some real prayer warriors in this church who pray for us. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you so much for things like the Sussex Gospel Partnership and other training programs that seek to teach people about the Bible. Lord, we thank you for those in this church who have just finished a course, whether that be a Tuesday or a Saturday morning. Lord, we thank you that they've completed it. And Lord, we pray that that you would use what you've taught them, that they may be useful in your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for the extra knowledge, Lord, seeing just how wonderful your word is and how it fits together and, and what it says about you. And Lord, I pray that not only would you just teach them uh, in their heads, but Lord, I pray that as they've learnt more of you, Lord, that their hearts would be filled more and more with a love for you. Lord, do use these courses for your glory and for your kingdom, Lord, I pray. Lord, last week we prayed for Caitlin and we prayed for Liz and others. Lord, we thank you that you have answered those prayers, at least in part so far. Lord, we we pray that you continue to be with them. But Lord, we thank you that they are now back home. Lord, we thank you for the help that you've given to them and their families. Lord, do continue to to be with them in this situation. Lord, give them strength. Lord, these things are unbelievably tiring and often catches up with you afterwards. And Lord, I just pray that you continue to strengthen them and that we as a church would be able to help them where we can. Lord, I pray for Peter Turner as well as he goes into Millwood uh, this week. Lord, I thank you for him. Lord, I pray that you would use him to be a blessing to those people. Lord, it's been tough for them in that home. Lord, do bless them through what Peter says. Do encourage them. Lord, make them fully ready to to come home and to be with you. And Lord, I just pray for the singing tonight as well. Lord, I pray that we would be able to do it. Lord, I thank you for the, the hours of planning that have gone into it. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to do it. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would fill us as a church with a, such a desire to come and to worship you. Lord, fill us with a sense of excitement. Lord, with a sense of looking forward to it. Lord, a sense of passion. A sense of love in our hearts. Lord, may it be such a delight to sing. Lord, we pray that we'll be able to do it.
And Lord, we pray for us now as well. Lord, we pray that you'd help John as he speaks. And Lord, do help us as we listen. Lord, I pray that you'd make our hearts ready to hear what you've got to say. Lord, that it would do us good. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before John does come and uh, speak to us, we've got another reading. Uh, It's a shorter one. It's Luke chapter 20, and it's starting from verse 45. So it's Luke chapter 20, uh, verse 45, and we're going to read to 21, verse 4. And in the hearing of all the people, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. So looking forward to John sharing more of that soon. Just before he comes up and speaks, we're going to sing again or reflect again on this song, Speak, O Lord. Uh, John's going to share spiritual food with us. That's what we describe it as, spiritual food from the Bible. And we need God's help to digest it, to sort of take it in, let it take root in our hearts. And this song really encourages us to listen and to take in what God's saying. So let's listen, let's take it in, and then listen to John as he speaks later.
I don't know if you ever pick up puzzle books, and if you do, what your favourite puzzles are in them, when there's a collection of different puzzles, maybe one that catches your eyes as something slightly easier and less demanding is the spot the difference page, when you have two pictures uh, side by side and you have to notice the difference between them. I've got one picture up there on screen, deliberately not too big so that you don't get distracted when you should be listening to me, going to spot the differences between the two. Well, we're coming to the end of Jesus' teaching in the temple. Uh, next week we'll have our, our last one from Luke before a summer break when we shall be looking at the teaching about the future of Jerusalem and the future of the temple and the coming again of Jesus. So we've got a quite a demanding passage to finish on next Sunday morning. This week we've got a smaller passage to mull over. And in many ways it is like a, a spot the difference. So we have two things we're looking at this morning and they're, they're side by side. The words of Jesus are put side by side, two different instances, two different pictures and there's a contrast between them. We are to look at the two, I believe, and to spot the difference or the differences between them. Two types of people that Jesus deals with. And in many ways they sum up so much of what Jesus does want and what he doesn't want in our lives. Here you see true discipleship and sham religion side by side. In some ways it's like a parting word from Jesus on what real Christianity is like and what real Christianity is about. I think if you and I, as we think about these words, these two pictures this morning, if we're, if we're not challenged, uh, then either we've got to the end and we haven't been really listening, or we're, we're, we're pretty hard spiritually. Um, I call it spot the difference. Um, when you do a spot the difference puzzle, they're often quite subtle, aren't they? Moustache there, but not there. Extra branch there, but the extra branch isn't there. I think we find here that actually the differences are pretty plain. There are pretty big differences between these two things that we're looking at. One is related to religious experts. They're called scribes. They were uh, experts in the Old Testament law. They were teachers. And one is about a poor woman. I've got two simple headings, or the main headings are very simple this morning, but I think you'll see uh, they lead us into what we're thinking about. Here's the first. Notice me. The end of chapter 20, notice me. Or we could give it a longer heading, those who want to be noticed. Those who want to be noticed. And there's quite shocking dynamics going on here, really. Jesus says some things um, deliberately so that people can hear what he's saying. And he says them about some people, the scribes, who have actually just uh, complimented him. Although they came to him with a a question, you remember the the question that they came to him over. Um, By the end, they're... 
They're pleased. It says then in verse 39, then some of the scribes answered, teacher, you have spoken well. Jesus isn't flattered into silence by their compliment. He says some things which he wants people to hear and it's about them. So they're quite tense things to be said. Let's read them again, verse 45. And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and places of honour at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. I want you to pick up three things from this first part. Notice me part. First notice that these people lap up the attention. They lap up the attention. I'm not quite sure where we get the phrase lap up. Uh, Perhaps you can think of a cat enjoying its milk, long lips, every drop goes from the saucer, licking their lips, loving every part of it. Or maybe it goes further back when uh, stuff was sort of on the apron and the person wanted to make sure that everything was picked up so everything went on the apron, on the lap and then is picked up and carried away. Either way, they want it all. They're, They're drinking it in. They're collecting it. And that's how these people are with admiration and with honour and with the the kudos that goes with being seen as religious and holy. It is a a, a notice-me approach to Christianity. It, It comes out in different ways. You see the different ways in verse 46. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honour at the feasts. It happens in what they wore. People are encouraged these days to dress to impress. Well, they wanted their outfit to impress. They had long robes. It was distinctive for religious teachers and scribes to wear such things. So if you're out and about or maybe you're at the arcade or in the high street and you you, you see a policeman, it's obvious it's a policeman because of the uniform. Say, look, there's a policeman over there. And, uh, or if you see, we don't see quite so many, but I suppose with the training camp occasionally you might see a soldier around. Say, look, there's a soldier over it, distinctive. And there you say, look, there's a scribe. There's a scribe, look at the long robes. There's a scribe near us, a religious person, a holy person. And they, they breathed in the status that it gave. The sense of importance they felt as they walked around in their religious uniform. It comes out in what was said to them, in the greetings they received. People wanted to greet and speak to a scribe, and when they did so, they spoke with respect. The respect oozed out. Special terms were used to acknowledge their importance, and they just loved the attention The deference puffs them up. It came out in where they sat. (coughs) Importance sometimes goes, doesn't it, with where you sit and where the seat that you are given. There is the royal box. 
There is the front row in some situations. There is the top table. I remember going into one older church, perhaps you've been into some of these little country, older village churches, and in the one I went in, there there was a, a little extra step set of steps up. This wasn't to the pulpit, but it went up to a, a platform, and that was where the squire sat with his family. So all the normal, ordinary plebs, you sat in the normal pews, but if you were the squire, you went up special stairs, and you sat, you sat on a special platform importance going with where you sit. And it wasn't just at the places of worship, at the feasts of honour. These scribes weren't, uh, uh, they weren't by the fire escape, they weren't just on the fringe of things. Uh, no, they were, they were near the centre of things, they were near the important people. They would love to see their name on the label in a place which just uh, sort of reeked with importance. Now, some of these things aren't wrong. Some religious uh, figures uh, do have distinctive dress. I suppose there are pros and cons. I'm very glad we're a free church and that I don't have to worry about such strange things. There is in the New Testament um, a respect for, for, for leaders, for teachers. That's clear in some passages. Uh, somebody has to sit in certain places and you might find yourself in a good seat and uh, some meals and things. But here you see they, they liked it. They loved it. See verse 46. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. To love greetings in the marketplaces. Jesus says you need to beware. You need to beware of teachers like that. We need to beware of being like that ourselves. Beware of the scribes. Perhaps we love being seen at the Christian meeting. Especially the extra ones when not so many go. and We're there. People see us in our cars on the way. We love being seen doing the extra jobs, perhaps the jobs that not so many pick up. We love our name being publicised and recognised on the document, on the notices, in print. We love people speaking well of us and we think, tell me that again, tell me that again. We love being seen with important people. We love being at the heart of things. In our hearts there can be a notice me, notice me, notice me. And Jesus says beware, beware. Of course we need to be careful not to overreact to this practical for some names to be on the publicity. We do want to know individuals to pray for because of the things they've got ahead of them. Some do have to have public roles. It's nice to be friendly to people, even important people. It would be a horrible thought if we had, say, a speaker, visiting speaker here and nobody said hello to them because they were frightened of being thought of as hobnobbing with the speaker. 
but you sense what this is about. They loved it. They were about it. It was what motivated them. Their religion was really a sham, a show, it was facade. You saw it in, in Matthew 6 with the reading that we, ha- that we had. Giving involved sort of blowing a trumpet, drawing attention to it. Praying was on the street corner to maximise um, visibility. Fasting couldn't be quiet, it had to be done with contorted faces so that others knew. Notice me. They lapped up the attention. There's, I find, a very challenging verse in John 12 and verse 43, which is on point here. It says of the Pharisees, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Well, it was a sham. It was a show. It was a facade. And we see that by our second point from these verses. They live in consistent lives. Jesus says these scribes live inconsistent lives, double lives. We come to another impressive thing. Uh, They pray long prayers. We see that in verse 47. And it's important that we pray. And there's lots of things to pray about. And life should be in a spirit of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Uh, Hannah prayed for a long time in her need in 1 Samuel. Anna was in constant prayer at the beginning of Luke. Visible public prayers, though, don't have to be long. In fact, the only phrase, the only time this phrase comes up, long prayers, in the Bible, is this negative one. A long, heartfelt prayer is one thing, but here it says, for a pretense they made long prayers. For a pretense they made long prayers. It wasn't real. They weren't taken up with praise to God. They weren't conscious of his glory and wanting to praise him. They weren't just pleased to be able to bring important concerns to the Lord in prayer. No, they had a a big eye to the audience. I think I'm holy. I think I'm devout. I think I'm spiritual. Have you never found yourself keen to impress by your prayers? Never found yourself really forgetting you're praying to the Lord, more taken up with how others view you. Hoping there is recognition and admiration. Our hearts are a sad mess sometimes, aren't they? Jeremiah did have it right. I know we quoted it a couple of weeks ago, but it's relevant here, isn't it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Their inconsistency shown in their pretend prayers. Shown in another way. says they devoured widows' houses. Picture language. Gobbling up widows' houses. Gobbling up what belongs to widows. Widows who were the poorest, the neediest, the most vulnerable. And yet they cream stuff off of them. How did that happen? What does this mean? 
Perhaps they sponged on their hospitality. Perhaps they forced them to give when really they weren't in a position to give. Perhaps they took some sort of commission for sorting out their affairs which was really out of place. Devoured widows' houses. I remember Mr Rao uh, saying in a sermon many years ago, just referring to a minister he knew of who seemed to have no concern for a relative but was soon on the scene when the will was being sorted out. Greed and pride. Matthew 23 says lots of things along these lines. The chapter is worth a read. But let me just pick out one verse, verse 25, which is very relevant to this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Notice me, or notice what I want you to notice of me, and don't notice the other parts of my life which are very double. And there's another aspect, just in these few verses, that I want to pick out on. They were looked down on by God. They were looked down on by God. You see how Jesus ends up this picture who devour widows' houses, verse 47, for pretense, make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Others looked up to them, God looked down on them. There was condemnation for them. Jesus is condemning them here. He's condemning them publicly. It's a bit like a foretaste of Judgment Day as their hypocrisy is exposed. Perhaps hypocrisy has put you off Christianity. Well, it might encourage you that Jesus has no time for hypocrisy. There is condemnation for these scribes. There's a warning for us in these verses, I think, especially if we are teachers and leaders as they were. James says in James 3 verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Jesus makes clear what he thinks of these scribes, of this shallow, hollow religion, of this inconsistency, of this puffed up desire for attention and credit, which wasn't due. And he says, this is not who I want my followers to follow. This is not what I want my followers to be like. Perhaps you've heard of the programme, I haven't really watched it, I've just seen little clips and adverts for it on, on a long time ago. Keep, keeping up appearances. Keeping up appearances. Well, that's what this type of religion is about. That's what this panel is about. Uh, 
And for some, that is the whole way of life. The Sunday is a religious stage and Monday to Saturday is a back room where behaviour is very different. And maybe it's a challenge for you this morning because actually your religion is a stage, is for attention, doesn't run deep. But for many of us, it's still a battle. Hopefully we're, we're not living a complete double lives. We're not just a show and, and facade. But what we see about these scribes this morning probably reminds us and it, it homes in on a battle in our hearts that sadly too often we're concerned for the attention and the credit rather than really serving the Lord and being a blessing to others. So it should be a challenge to us this morning as we see what Jesus says about the notice me religion. We might want to pray as the songwriter does, unite my heart to fear your name. Purify my heart. Lord, make it more pure and single-minded in its devotion. So we have that notice me, that first panel and uh, then we see a different picture and we're supposed to see the difference, spot the difference as we go into the first few verses of chapter 21. And if we can summarise what happens here, if I can do it very simply like this, notice her. Notice me. Notice her, the first four verses. So the first one was about those who want to be noticed. Here is about those who Jesus notices, those who Jesus notices. Jesus is still in the temple, seeing people come in to place their gifts in the collection boxes, in the collection jars. There were 13 uh, trumpet-like jars which opened up at the top as you came into the temple. They were for different causes and you could put your money in the cause that you wanted to support. Uh, The rich are coming past. You imagine there's quite a a clatter, probably sounded something like a jackpot in an amusement arcade as their money clatters down into the pot. Uh, Jesus doesn't criticise the rich, but that's not his focus. That's not what he draws his attention to, our attention to. A poor lady comes in, a widow. She just places two coins in two of the smallest coins. I think we've got a picture of two copper coins there. Two really small copper coins dating back to that time. Can you go on one? It didn't click on me, Tim. Thank you. I don't suppose they made much of a clatter to you as they went down into the jar. Not much noise from her didn't automatically turn the rest of the sort of area around as to what was going in. Each lepta, each one of those coins, are worth about um, one one hundred and twenty-eighth of a day's wage. One one hundred and twenty-eighth of a day's wage. That's not much, is it? Four minutes of wage. Somebody's worked out four minutes of wage. It's hardly going to jump up the totals much. It's hardly going to sort of 
make the, uh, the bell ring, it's hardly going to shoot the thermometer levels up, is it? But Jesus wants them to notice her and her giving. We put two coins in. I've got if I still got them. Two coins. I've got one. Here's, here's two copper coins. If I if I, I wouldn't do it, but if I gave a child to put them in one of the collections at the back, drop them in. Well, it probably won't change the the pound figure that we have in the bulletin next month for that particular collection. It's not going to cause everyone to go texting around. Did you see what the collection was last week? How much has gone to that cause? Jesus draws attention to this lady. I imagine he goes over to her. I wouldn't be surprised if he tenderly puts his hand on her shoulder. It's this woman, not that woman. He's identifying with her This is what he says in verses 3 and 4. Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. If you look in her purse, there's nothing left. If you go to a home and empty a piggy bank or whatever she has, nothing falls out. No point in sweeping around her house for a lost coin. You won't find anything. Everything, everything has gone in, in those two copper coins, into that jar. And if the scribes are an example of what following Jesus is not about, She is an example of what following Jesus is about. Jesus says she puts in more than all the others. Well, either Jesus wouldn't make a very good accountant, or perhaps the value system of heaven is different from the way we would look at things. We see the monetary value He sees what proportion of money she has given. We see just uh, two small copper coins. He sees the heart of devotion that goes with it. She wasn't drawing attention to herself. In fact, I should imagine she was pretty embarrassed by how little she was putting in But Jesus sees it differently. He draws attention to her. This was an example of true discipleship. It's a moving scene, isn't it? I find it a moving scene as I thought about it a bit more this week. There's some lessons for us from it. There is some lessons, obviously, about giving money. Small amounts are noticed by Jesus. You're a child, perhaps. You haven't got much money. 
your family budget maybe is exceedingly tight. You're an older person with a very small pension. You give small amounts. There's not much that goes into the box or to charities from you. The amounts going out of your bank account on a monthly basis, you feel perhaps quite embarrassed compared to what you imagine are going out of other accounts. But Jesus notices the small amounts. It's good to think about what proportion we give. What proportion you give away. Good to give heartily, generously. On Friday at funeral, in thinking of the person who passed away, thought of this theme of God loves a cheerful giver. It's more blessed to give than receive. Giving money. Can we give away everything? Should we give away everything? This woman gave away everything. Sometimes people out of devotion do something similar. I remember one of the previous members here saying that they felt so blessed at a service that um, they, even though it was a very hard time, that they went out they just emptied all their pockets into the collection box. Of course, collection boxes in church is not the only way of giving, but that's what they wanted to do out of devotion. They didn't really have anything else. It all went in. Lovely spirit. Do we all need to do that? Well, in one sense, no. We don't have to tip our whole bank balance into a church collection or to hand it over to Oxfam or whatever our cause is. Acts of the Apostles in the Bible shows a a big amount of giving, sacrificial giving, sometimes selling properties and giving them away, but not all of them gave everything like that, else they wouldn't have had any houses to meet in to pray. And Ananias and Sapphira, when they're picked up on, it wasn't uh, the fact that that their fault was that they pretended they gave away everything. I was thinking when Mark talked about Philemon the other week, uh, this is so much to learn from Philemon, there's a little offshoot that just sort of fascinated my mind, is the way that Paul says, when I come I'll settle up the debts. Paul had some funds. If he gave everything away the moment it came to him, he wouldn't be able to say, when I come I'll, I'll settle up the debts. He did have some funds. You've got family, you've got clothes you need, the different things to... To, 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 to spend on. You do need to plan ahead and be sensible and wise. So, in one sense, no, we, we don't have to give everything away. But there's another sense in which we do, and it's yes, we do give everything to the Lord. Because all our money is the Lord's. And whatever direction we funnel it into should be for the Lord. So yes, there will be, hopefully, generous giving towards needy causes, gospel causes, church life, discipleship, whatever we feel is good for the work of the kingdom, we will be big-hearted for that. But if we direct it towards our family, it is because the Lord has given us family and we care for them and it's part of our devotion to him that we look after them. We felt it was right to have a car. We need a car. And we got a car that we thought was the right car before the Lord for us to have. And so we have to pay insurance and we have to pay MOT and we had to pay a lot of money up front. But it's to the Lord. 
We think the Lord wants us to have a house, a roof over our head for us and for loved ones. So a large amount of our money goes out on mortgage and rent, but it's to the Lord, it's part of our discipleship and we want to use the home for him. It's right that we enjoy good gifts. He's given us all things richly to enjoy. And so we're thankful for that. And some money goes in that direction. But it's all to the Lord. In a sense, we are giving everything because we're just stewards of his money. So there's lessons about how we use our money. We've heard a lot about money in Luke, haven't we? Has it made you think about your money? Has there been any changes in attitude? Practice. Recent months. If not, I wonder if you've been sleeping through all the sermons. It does challenge us about our attitude to money. But there are lessons as well about life in general. Because I think she is a pattern for us to willingly serve. Disciples renounce all that they have. They're wholehearted in serving Jesus, yes, with money, but with time and resources and qualifications and experiences and the things that they have. It is all about serving him who loved us so much. And then a a final different thought about poor disciples, or I almost call them deprived disciples, We're all poor and deprived in different ways, but some people's experience and circumstances are particularly deprived. This lady was a widow, and she was a poor widow, as if you needed to emphasise that. Perhaps she was especially poor, widow, poor widow. And yet, she's a beacon for service. This lady of low status of meagre means, and Jesus says, this is what service discipleship is about. And she's also, uh, I hadn't noticed this before, but you get widow occurring twice, don't you, within a few verses here. So the scribes devoured widows' houses, they exploited widows. And here you have a widow, so I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that perhaps she is one of the widows who's been exploited, one of the reasons she was so poor is because of people like the scribes and what they've been up to, depriving her of her money. In one sense, she'd been damaged, uh, deprived, treated badly, exploited. And yet here she is as a beacon of discipleship. And that might be an encouragement to us. Maybe our circumstances are poor, difficult, low in status, not noticed by many, maybe even we have been badly treated by others, painfully treated by others, cheated on by others, exploited by others. And yet this woman, despite that background and what she's gone through, is a beacon of service. She's positively serving Christ. She's given all that she can. She's chosen that positive way forward. What a lovely picture, isn't it? A lovely encouragement for poor disciples. That's the way forward in our deprivation and difficulties. So, 
The scribes receive Jesus' condemnation. She receives Jesus' commendation. We've seen the two panels. We've noticed the difference, a big difference. There was the notice me's and Jesus' notice her. There is those who look for the applause, whose lifestyle is so different as her, who doesn't really seek attention, but is thoroughly genuine and humble and wholehearted in her service. There was a beware of the scribes and a be like this lady. I think there's things to think about, don't you, in both panels? Let's have a moment to think and pray before I close in prayer. Oh Lord, we find so much to think about in just these few verses, these two small pictures. Lord, we do pray that you'd keep us from hypocrisy. Lord, we pray it won't be our whole pattern of life that our religion is just for others to notice, but nothing real or deep. But even if that's not the case, and we hope for most of us that is very much not the case, yet we feel that inner battle we find it too easy to love the glory of men rather than the praise of God. We find it too easy to be motivated by what's seen rather than what's pleasing to you and comes out of a heart stirred with love and grace. Uh, forgive us for uh, twisted motives. Forgive us for the way in which we have sometimes been like these scribes. We do pray that you'd unite our heart to fear your name, that you would purify our heart. Lord, we thank you for this lovely example of the way Jesus draws attention to this woman. We admire her humble, devoted service. We pray it might encourage us in our thoughts about our money to be generous and big-hearted Help us to be good stewards of all that we have, to see it as all to be spent as you would want us to spend it. Keep us from being selfish and greedy and self-indulgent. Help us to be like that in our lives, to be wholehearted disciples, giving all for him who gave everything for us. And we pray that the fact that this lady, despite perhaps all her difficulties and maltreatment, was such a positive example of godliness, may be an encouragement to us, and especially some of us who've really had some great difficulties over the years. May we go forward like this lady, out of love and devotion. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.